We have given to date $11,043. Um, amen. That, that is awesome. Um, you may continue giving through the month of January, so there's a little bit of time left if you want to continue giving to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. If you're visiting with us today, we're glad you're here. We want to get to know you better. We want to know um, that you were here. There may be a blue card somewhere around you in the pews. Um, if you would like to, fill that out. Let us know a little bit about you, and, and we can have a record of your visit. Also, you have the little QR code. You can turn the camera on your phone, put it on that code. It'll take you to a form to fill out there. Um, couple of things on the schedule coming up. There will be no fifth Sunday lunch. Uh, we will have the Lord's Supper next Sunday morning. And that afternoon we will watch a movie in the Fellowship Hall. Uh, so come join us. It's always a good movie. It's always a good time. Uh, Wednesday night, children's ministry and youth will start back up in February. Um, so if you are... Uh, in those groups, you can start getting ready to come in February. If you know someone who uh, needs to know about that, share that information. Let them know that we're going to start our children's ministry and youth group in February. Um, any, any other announcements? So as a call to worship this morning, I'm going to read from Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations.
missed you guys last Sunday. Um, my family was at home as well, uh, enjoying the the latest strain. So, <clears throat> but we're glad to be back, and we're glad that y'all are here with us this morning. Um, something God's been showing me this week is that we need each other. Um, we can't walk this Christian walk on our own and by ourselves. We need to walk together. And uh, we're a family. Uh, a weird put together family, but a family nonetheless. Um, as you know, family doesn't always get along, but they're always there for each other. And as we're all part of the same family of God, we just need to come together and celebrate God's goodness together, and God's love together, and walk together and encourage me.
page eight. You're going to not come down for me. <laughs> All right. Okay, I will make this short and sweet, guys. I'm just going to actually talk to y'all today about a word. I'm going to teach you the definition of it. Um, the word is salvation. Can any of you tell me what you might think that means? Kyson, you have any ideas what salvation means? Hmm. Eddie, got any ideas? No? Okay. Well, I'm going to tell you what the uh, dictionary said. According to Merriam-Webster, salvation means the liberation from ignorance or illusion. Or it could mean deliverance from danger or difficulty. Deliverance from danger. That means to get you out of danger. Do you all understand that? Salvation means delivering you from danger. Okay? So the Bible in Psalm 27 says that the Lord is my light and my salvation. He is a strong defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp against me, that can mean an army, my heart will not fear. Though war arise against me, in this I trust. One thing I have asked from Yahweh, that's God, that I shall seek that I may dwell in the house of Yahweh all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of Yahweh and to inquire in his temple. For in the day of calamity, he will conceal me in his shelter. In the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock, and now my head will be lifted up above my enemies around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with loud shouts of joy. I will sing and I will sing praises to God. So the Bible tells us that God is our salvation. God is who can rescue us in our times of trouble. We have nothing to fear because God is our salvation. He's a strong defense. He will take you out of danger. So if you remember anything from this lesson, can you look at me, guys? Because this is for you. God is your salvation. The Lord is your salvation. Nothing else will save you. As wonderful as your parents are, as wonderful as your church family is, and as important as your brothers and sisters and everything are, and they are good, and they are wonderful, the only thing that will save you from your real danger from real difficulties, is God. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for these children. And Lord, I just pray that you would, um, that you would grow each one of them in Christ, Lord. Lord, that they would all know you, that their names are all written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Lord, I just pray for um, anyone who needs your salvation today. I pray that today might be the day in Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to turn in your Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 
This is a letter from Paul to his brother Timothy. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience. As I remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. And God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. But share in suffering for the gospel of the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling. Not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of the Savior, Savior, salvation, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought forth life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher, Which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that is in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. deep the Father's love
should I gain from his reward?
confess that to you. Jesus, we love you. We pray now as we open your word that you would, Holy Spirit, illumine our hearts to see what it is that you want to say to us this morning. That the blood of the gospel would drip from every word. And that our hearts would be changed from this place going forward. We confess to you that we trust you. We confess to you that we love you. We confess to you that we need you. Do what you want to do and what pleases your heart this morning in us. In the name of Jesus Christ alone we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. Thank you for the music this morning and leading us in worship. It's good to be with you this morning. Good to see all of you. I was a little concerned when Brother Shannon texted me this last week and told me how many were here last Sunday. And I was prepared for which way to go, you know, what I was going to say about been coming here 40 years and it's taken me this long to get rid of most of you. And, and uh, But... Here y'all showed up, so it's just good to be with you this morning. I know some of you have been dealing with COVID recently, uh, just uh, in, in the immediate past, and so it's good to see you recovered, and we continue to pray for those that are dealing with it at home. I'm not here to preach a message on COVID. You'll be relieved to hear that, but I am going to preach a message that's relevant, I believe, to the circumstances that we're all dealing with, and I understand your schools have been dismissed this week, and and uh, lots of lots of illness, not just COVID, but a lot of things that are going around right now. And while you're while we're I'm talking, I'm going to invite you to go ahead and open your Bibles with me to the Book of Hebrews. And um, I want us to have another word of prayer together before I start reading. And um, you know, during these <clears throat> this pandemic time, uh, I have known many, many people uh, to, to get COVID. I buried a customer and uh, friend in San Angelo a couple of months ago uh, in his 40s, spent about two months in the hospital, um, and then was being transferred from the hospital to a rehab facility in Abilene, still on a ventilator, and in the ambulance, the ventilator stopped working. And they turned and raced back to San Angelo to try to get him back to the hospital, but he was without oxygen too long. And we lost uh, him, a young man in our church in his 40s, uh, the church I attend in Comanche. Spent close to two months in the hospital in San Antonio. Was transferred to a rehab facility in Abilene and spent a couple of weeks there, and he's been back in church the last couple of weeks. Uh, still weak, still having to do some rehab, you know, had to learn how to walk again. Uh, I mean, lots of things. And I've known people like some of you have who tested positive and really didn't have much symptoms. And so it's just kind of crazy how this illness affects different people. But this morning, I would covet your prayers for a very close friend of mine, uh, a fellow that I've worked with now for about 20 years, a brother in the Lord, and he and his wife, uh, I'll just tell you, his name is Randy, and her name is Shella, 
and uh, he's been dealing with COVID now for a couple of weeks and has had a really bad case of it. He texted me late last night and said that he was feeling some better, and so I'm hopeful that he is kind of turning the corner, but I covet your prayers for them this morning. And, and I know that if he was feeling well enough this morning, they were going to, to join the service with us here this morning. Uh, Randy and I have started with the company that we represent about the same time. We've traveled many miles together, and we're the kind of friends that can travel a lot of miles and not say anything and be comfortable with that. And then we're also friends that have had lots of conversations about uh, the company that we work with and the business that we do, but also lots of conversations about Scripture and about spiritual things. And so I... Uh, just ask you to pray for Randy and his recovery from this illness and for Shella and her patience in dealing with Randy. And so you'll understand, some of you ladies understand what I'm talking about there. I love them both. If they're listening today, then I welcome them to our service and assure them of our prayers. Let's pray together. Father, I just thank you, as always, for the joy of knowing you and the privilege of serving you. I thank you for this church, for the role that this church has played in my own life uh, through the years uh, to encourage me in so many different ways, for the friendships that I have here and, and um Father, I just can't say enough about uh, what these folks mean to me. And I'm grateful to have this opportunity to be with them this morning. I'm also grateful, Father, for the opportunity to, to come here knowing that when we've gathered together in your midst, just two or three, that you have promised to be here with us. We don't have to wonder about that. We know that you are and in these moments that we spend in your word together, Father, I pray that um, you would find our hearts and our minds open before you, that our, our lives would be supple to your hands and to what you desire to do with us today. And I pray your Holy Spirit, Father, would just fill this place and just move up and down these aisles and minister your peace and your love and your grace to each one here and each one who may be watching and listening at home. I thank you, Father, that we don't have to wonder whether you have a desire to meet needs in our lives or work in our lives or fashion our lives after your own image. But we come here today with insurance of those things. And I know there are many needs that must be represented in this group of people who are gathered here this morning and, and certainly people that are joining us by other means this morning. And so, Father, I pray from the very beginning that you just would begin to make your presence known, that you would touch lives and that you would change lives today and that by everything you do, that we might honor you and glorify you with our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 
You certainly have heard me uh, preach messages from the book of Hebrews before. It's one of my favorite uh, books, and I'm not going to go into everything I've told you before about this book, but I do want to give us just a little bit of background before we get started. One is that Hebrews, I would remind you, is a book that we are not sure, we're not certain about the authorship of. Uh, biblical scholars mostly agree that it sounds, as they put it, Paulinian. Now, that means that they believe that the Apostle Paul might have penned these words or might have written this language because it sounds like things that the Apostle Paul would have said. The thing that's missing on all of the other Paulinian writings, Paul always identifies himself in his greeting. He lets people know who's writing the letter. Uh, or the book that he is, is composing. In this case, we don't have that. So there's some uncertainty. Some people, some scholars have speculated that it was certainly someone maybe very close to the Apostle Paul, maybe even uh, his scribe who may have written this after Paul was gone. But it sounds a lot like Paul. And what makes it so relevant, and one of the reasons I come back to it uh, so often is because I believe it is so relevant to the days that we are living in. Remember that when this book was written, the church was under persecution. Now, this was a time when, uh, when I talk about persecution, I'm talking about lions in the Colosseum and throwing Christians to the lions kind of persecution. The church, the early church that this author is addressing is able to stand on the banks and listen across the water to Christians being martyred for their faith. And because of what they are going through, some are beginning to question whether they've made the right choice. I want you to think about that word, choice. I want you to keep it in mind as we look at the scripture today. Choice. Life is full of choices, isn't it? These people are beginning to question if they made the right one. After all, they have an expectation that Jesus was coming again. And it's been 70 years or more, and he's not come yet. They thought, they had an expectation that the return of Christ was going to be during their lifetime. And so now that they haven't seen him, and now because of what their brothers and sisters in Christ are suffering, they're wondering if they've made the right choice. And they're wondering if it might not be better to kind of back up and go a different direction. And so the author of Hebrews spends a lot of time reminding people that faith is a choice, but it is not an uninformed decision. It is not an uninformed choice. So I, I've spent a lot of time in the past, I've talked to you, I know I've quoted this verse nearly every time I'm with you because it's one of my favorite verses uh, related to the church in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. Now the way I memorize that verse it says, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, 
not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as we see the day drawing near. Speaking of the, the return of Christ. Now that's a, that's a great couple of verses. And I'm, I'm, I've spent a lot of time on those verses in the past. I'm not going to spend a lot of time there today. But I do want you to look at one other verse. And it's one verse before what I just quoted, verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. In other words, to say that would be to say, he who promised is full of faith. He is absolutely trustworthy. You can absolutely rely on him. You can absolutely count on him to do his part. I want you to remember that. I want you to think about that. And then I want you to think about that word faith. What is it? Well, the classic definition is found in chapter 11 in verse 1. And you've heard me preach a sermon on this verse. And I know better to come to this church and not think about what I've preached before because no lot of you take notes. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to touch on this verse again because I want to get your mind in the right place. But here's the classic definition of faith that we talk about, that Scripture gives us. Chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Your version might say the evidence of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. That was a hard one for me to get my mind wrapped around. That sounded to me like faith had something to do with the blind leading the blind. If you couldn't see it, you couldn't hold it, you couldn't pick it up in your hands and examine it, what is it that you're putting faith in? And I've shared with you in the past that one of those things that that got my attention as a young person, a verse that God gave me, kind of made a, a life verse for me, was Galatians 2.20 where Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and the life that I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. And I've I spent a lot of time through the years thinking about that verse. And you can just take it apart word by word and think about what all that means. And I've talked about in the past about as a young man trying to understand what it means to walk by faith. What did that mean? Is it a blind faith? Is it a matter of just taking a step? out there into nothingness with no understanding about where we're going or what's going to happen or, or, or how God is going to act to give some sense of reason and peace. And I mean, what, what is faith? What does it mean to walk by faith? And after a lot of thinking about, a lot of meditating on, a lot of, of, of prayer, a lot of, of Consideration, if that last part of the verse finally got to me, 
We're, we're placing faith in Jesus, not as an unknown, but as a proven. We're placing faith in Jesus, who demonstrated his love for us, in that while we were yet sinners, he would die for us. And as Galatians 2.20 puts it at the end of that verse, this life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. And one version says deliver. Another verse says gave himself up for me. In other words, he demonstrated his commitment to me at the point at which he gave his life for me. You know, I had a friend who passed away several years ago now, but he was invited to preach at First Baptist Church in Dallas. And I'm not sure why he was invited that particular day. I'm sure I've known, but I've forgotten a lot of things through the years. But uh, Dr. Criswell was there, and so it wasn't, he wasn't there to preach because Dr. Criswell had to be out. Um, and he was seated on the platform uh, next to Dr. Criswell. And he said, I was enjoying the music and enjoying the worship. And, and he said, I was excited about this opportunity. And, and he said, finally, it came time for me to preach. And he said, I started to stand. And Dr. Criswell reached over and put his hand on my knee. And he looked at me. And he said, I looked at him. And he said, make them choose. He said, took his hand off my knee and he said, I, I got up from my seat and began to make my way to the podium and, and he said, I was thinking about what he said. Make them choose. You know, every preacher that ever takes a preaching class has to deal with that direction, that directive that Dr. Criswell gave my friend that day. Before you know what you're going to preach, before, before you start kind of putting your sermon together, you kind of need to have in mind what's at the end. What am I, through what I'm doing, what am I asking people to do? How am I asking people to respond? Well, from the beginning today, I want you to understand that what I'm asking you to do is to choose faith. Choose to live by faith. Choose to walk by faith. I've been coming here a long time. We've been through some stuff. We've prayed for folks and we've seen things work out the way we hoped, things the way we wanted, and we've seen things that didn't work out the way we hoped. Or wanted. And when we don't see things turn out the way that we hope or want, are we still willing to choose faith? Are we still willing to walk by faith? How far are you willing to go by faith? You know, I've said before that I, I think most of us, our inclinations, 
is to not walk by faith until it's the only way we can see left to walk. You know, as long as we can pick it up and look at it and examine it, and why would we need to walk by faith? Well, one reason we need to walk by faith is because it's demanded of us to walk by faith. We don't want to be like the guy on the barn. You've heard this story with steep roofs, metal roof, started, lost his footing, started sliding down the roof and began to pray and said, Lord, I haven't asked for much, but I, I'm just praying you'd keep me from getting hurt falling off this barn. About that time, he hung his britches on a nail, and he stopped. And he said, never mind, Lord, I got it under control. <laughs> we sometimes look in faith to God for answers and solutions in our lives, and when he answers, we fail to see his activity. We fail to see his part in what he does for us. But I, I discovered something in the book of Hebrews that I've never seen before that I want to share with you this morning. I want you to turn over with me to the 13th chapter. I want to, I want to share one, one other thing before we get there. Um, go back to chapter 11 with me just real quickly. Uh, I shared that first verse. I want to I get our mind again, like I say, in the right place. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the men of old gained approval. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God. In other words, God spoke it all into existence. Um, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he observed the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, uh, he still speaks. And by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God took him up for he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. In verse 6, where I wanted us to get. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe, first, that he is, and second, that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So without faith, Forget about pleasing God. That's an essential for us to be able to have a relationship with him is to start that relationship in faith and to continue in that relationship by faith. Okay? Now, I want you to remember this. None of us, regardless of what we think, none of us take the initiative to pursue God. Now, there may be some point in your life that you point back to and you say, well, Brother Ross, I disagree because back when I was 16 or back when I was 18 or when I was 28 or 38, I made a decision that I was going to seek God. I was going to find him. Well, that's great, but God beat you to it. God had a plan in place long before you and I gave a thought to it. And God forever, has been pursuing a relationship with you. 
a relationship with me. He initiated. He took the initiative. Now I want to ask you a word before we read this verse. In fact, I'm going to read several verses here. But when you think of the word helper, what do you think about? I got a lot of, I've been thinking about this obviously for a while now. But I've been thinking about that word helper. We walk into the store. Someone says, may I help you? And let's just say it's the grocery store, and I'm saying I'm looking for the back black strap molasses, and, and they say, well, that's on aisle seven at the other end. And I go down there, and sure enough, that's where it is, and I pick it up, and I bring it home, and uh, that's going to make those biscuits that I make from scratch from the Bisquick box taste better. Now, we're unsure, and you have to mix it up and everything, cook them up in that scratch. Was that person helpful? They were helpful, weren't they? As far as it goes, they did their part, helped me find the molasses, everything cool. I appreciate the help. How many times have we uh, seen, maybe you haven't seen, but maybe you took your kids somewhere when they were small and maybe your good friend saw you coming and said, oh, he brought your helpers with you today. How many times have you, uh, you know, maybe crawled under the truck to work on something, change the oil, whatever, and had your second or third grade son out there with you, and you said, uh, you know, son, hand me a, a wrench out of that toolbox. And that helper, you know, brought you a crescent wrench when you were looking for a filter wrench. But they were helping and the day came when they could tell the difference and the numbers on the box end wrenches and open end and knew what they were and they became more and more help and more and more helpful. But I think we, we think about a helper, at least I think about a helper, as someone who is not doing the job for me, but someone who is giving me a hand. Well, I want you to look at this, this passage right here because this was a, a, a thought for me, a new thought, another way of thinking about things. Chapter 13, verse 1. Let love of the brethren continue. <clears throat> Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Now think about this in the context of what I said is going on for this church, what this church is having to deal with, Christians being martyred for their faith, people ready to give up, not knowing what to think, not knowing what to do. And he gives this kind of instruction. Let the love of the brethren continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember the prisoners. Now they knew some prisoners. There are people that were snatched right out of their church, out of their congregation. Because of their faith. Remember the prisoners as though in prison with them and those who are ill-treated since you yourselves also are in the body. Let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled for fornicators and adulterers God will judge. Now focus in with me here. 
I wish I had time to go verse by verse, but I'm, I'm going to go to these verses that have got my attention right now. Let your character be free from the love of money, being content with what you have. I just want to say how proud I am of, of this church before I move forward here. Uh, I've shared with you on numerous occasions about different people that I know in the mission field and uh, one of them I still get communication from. It was in my children's choir when I was on staff 40 years ago and early. Uh, and her dad, a longtime friend of mine, has been active in Buckner's children's home and been a, a director for them for many, many years. Now he's got dementia. And she's in Africa. She lost her husband uh, oh, six or seven years ago now to cancer. Uh, they came home from the mission field and spent about two years in and out of hospitals and treatments and surgeries until he passed away, and she turned and went back. Now her dad's got dementia, and she's still there in Africa uh, doing that missionary work, and this offering that you've just been giving, uh, given uh, has gone to support her and others like her. And so I'm so grateful to, to this church for uh, your faithfulness in giving in that, and I'm most generous church I've ever been a part of, and, and so thank you for that. Be content with what you have, for he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. Now, I just want to pause um, right there for just a moment. John MacArthur, in his commentary on this passage of Scripture, uh, says that there are five negatives used in the original language to make the point. And he said if you were to literally try to translate what this is saying about God, it would say something like, there is absolutely no way whatsoever that I will ever, ever leave you. That's a statement, isn't it? There's nothing you can do that will cause him to leave you once you have embraced him by faith. There's nothing you can say that would cause him to leave you once you have chosen faith. He does for us what we are incapable of doing for ourselves. He stays with us through the good, the bad, and the ugly. Now I want you to catch this next verse. This is where I've been headed. I will never desert you or abandon you or forsake you so that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What shall man do to me? You know, I, I know I've told you in the past that I enjoy word studies. I like to, to um, understand as much as I can about what Scripture says. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, 
and for training in righteousness. I remember Sunday night uh, that we were gathered here and and uh, I was in the midst of a study that I'd been doing and and uh, a lady came to me after the service and she said, I, I made a breakthrough tonight. I said, what kind of breakthrough did you make? She said, well, I thought the Schofield edition was the only edition that you could read. I, I just thought that's where it was and that's, and you know, a lot of people used to feel that way. But my point was, and, and what I had said, alluded to that that night in the service, was that what I tend to believe, and not tend to believe, what I believe, is that I believe that while there may, may be room for some kind of discrepancy in how the Hebrew in the Old Testament or the Greek in the New Testament is translated to English, where you and I can read it and, and get something out of it, uh, what, what I don't think is possible is, because of what God's Word says, is that we can read God's Word even if there might be a better way to say it and we can still get what God wants us to get from it. In other words, the Bible says God's Word never returns void without accomplishing that for which it was sent. That being said, when I study Scripture, one of the things that I try to study is the background so that I can do everything I can to immerse myself in the culture of what was going on at the time that Scripture was written and what it could possibly mean, what it meant to them, the, the, the readers that it was at the time it was written, and, and then what it means to us. And sometimes as we go along through these years, we, we get a nugget, we get something that uh, we've never seen before, and we refer to God's Word as the living Word. Now the reason we do that is because I can read Scripture one time and it says something to me based on the circumstances that I'm dealing with and the situation I've got, and I can read it another time, and because my circumstances are different, I see something in the Scripture that just went right over my head the first time. It's the living Word of God. That doesn't mean that God changes His Word, changes His mind. It just means that because of the relationship that He pursued with me and the relationship that I embraced by faith, and the, the, the longer I walk by faith and the more I learn by faith, I put myself in a position that God is able to quicken his word to my life, to my need, and remind me of things that are there that sometimes I never had seen. Well, this word helper was one of those times that I, I learned something <laughs> that I was so glad to learn, so glad to get my mind around. <clears throat> that word in the Greek, and I'm no Greek scholar, so I appreciate all the help I can get from theologians and people that write commentaries and different things. But that word that is translated here as helper is a two-part word. The first part is boe, B-O, long E. And that word means, I've got to think about this, but that word means a shout. And wait, wait till you hear what the next part means. The next part of the word is theo, with a long O. And that word means 
to Rome. I want you to think about any time you were ever in need of help and a helper came with a shout and running. I've had some time to think about this. My first thought was back to 9-11 and the Twin Towers after they'd been attacked and people doing their best to get out of those buildings and first responders running towards those towers. You think they were shouting? I suspect they were. I, I suspect as they met people trying to get out of those towers... They were yelling and telling them to get on out of there and hurry out. And, and they were yelling at other first responders and saying, help these people get out of this building and get across this, this street, get away from this. While they were still yelling at other first responders, try to get to the 10th floor, to the 20th floor, to help those people get out of this situation. But I also thought about that kid that lives in town who's playing with soccer ball in the front yard and he kicks that soccer ball and there it goes running out into, rolling out into the street. And so that kid takes off after that soccer ball, oblivious to anything else going on around him. But there's that man across the street who sees this situation developing and he begins to run and he begins to shout, Stop! Stop! And he runs on towards that kid as fast as he can go. And maybe he grabs that kid and takes him back up in the yard. But he's yelling to get the kid's attention. And he's also yelling to get the attention of cars that are coming up the street trying to avoid this horrible situation. And he's running and shouting and he's the helper. I thought about a lot. I thought about being in the cattle pen and misstepping and falling in the corner of the pens and there's that old surly cow that's got an attitude and she sees her chance and she's fixing to light you up good and and a helper comes and a helper comes running and he comes shouting trying to distract that old cow and give you a chance to get back on your feet and get over the fence and get safety folks I never thought about God coming to help with a run and a shout. But I thought about this. In my concept of what a helper is, can you just imagine Tom Landry showing up at Roddy's office back when he was trying to get ready for a state championship and saying, you know, I'm Tom Landry and I'd like to help. And Tom, you know, Roddy looking at him and saying, well, man, I've been so busy I had not had time to take out the trash. Would you mind doing that? I can't. I mean, I'm thinking, and, I, you know, Roddy's got a pretty good handle on things. I mean, obviously we're headed for the state championship, but I'm thinking, I, I'm thinking Roddy wants to hear what Tom Landry might have in mind about helping. I'm thinking about that, that carpenter. Maybe he's just a framing carpenter. And here comes a master carpenter and says, I'd like to help you. Well, yeah, there's a broom over there. Start sweeping up, getting this trash out of the way. 
Well, here's an opportunity to learn from the master carpenter. We need to understand who God is when he says he's going to be our helper. You know, when you study Hebrews 13, 5, and 6, commentaries don't have much to say about it. They talk about the verses in front of it, and they talk about the verses after it. But they don't say much about it. And I think the reason is, is because these verses are found other places. One of those is uh, Psalm 118. This was part of a Thanksgiving song. It was sung routinely at Thanksgiving gatherings. Uh, some scholars have said this is a song that Jesus probably sang with the apostles. So this is not a new revolution about God, but it's a reminder of what God does, how God acts, how he functions in our lives if we choose faith. One other thought. God not only stays with you, doesn't forsake you, never leaves you. He not only helps you, he fights for you. 2 Chronicles 32.8 says, With us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. Max Licato has written a book called Begin Again. And uh, that's where I found this little word study on the, help, the helper. Max gives a lot of stories about things that have happened and things that remind him of these things and lead him on these journeys in Scripture. And he talked about a, a fellow that he saw after he'd taken a seat on an airplane. guy recognized him and read some of his books, maybe heard him speak on television or online or something. And, and he said it was obvious the guy wanted to talk to him. And there just wasn't time. He said it was chaotic, everybody trying to get on the plane, and I was already seated. And he said uh, in a little while after the plane took off and we'd been in the air for an hour, he said, I felt a tap on my shoulder. And I looked over my shoulder, and it was that man, and he handed me a napkin. And he had written out a bunch of stuff on his napkin. And the long, long story, very short, was that his family had gone on a vacation to the lake, and one of his daughters had had an accident and wound up in the hospital on life support for a couple of weeks. And they had to make a decision to take her off life support. And he said, you know, as you can imagine, for any parent, hardest decision, you know, ever. And, uh, but he said, we chose to live by faith. We chose to trust God. And he said, people like you became the visible, tangible 
huggable presence of God in our lives in those days. And he said, they loved on us, they hugged on us, they supported us every way they could, and he said, we ultimately came to that decision to take away that life support and, and uh, trust our daughter into the loving arms of Jesus. From beginning to end. My mother be 92 years old next, next month. Still doing well. I'm so grateful, but we know, you know, you've, you've heard these expressions, you know, when your number's up, God calls your name, everybody's got an expiration date, we use those kinds of terms about life, but I want, I'm here to tell you, God has a plan that meets our needs at any and every point on our journey. We don't always understand it, but we choose to trust it. And there's a reason that we choose to trust it. In Max's book, he writes this, when God became flesh, he fought for your soul. When Jesus faced the devil in the wilderness, he fought for your peace. When he stood up for the neglected, was he not standing up for you? When he died on the cross, he was fighting for your salvation. When he left the Holy Spirit to guide, strengthen, and comfort you, he was fighting for your life. Miss this truth and you might as well plant a mailbox in the wilderness. You will be there a long time. But believe this and watch the clouds begin to clear. There is a name I love to sing. I love to sing its worth. It sounds like music in mine ear. The sweetest name on earth. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. He's done everything necessary before we ever gave it a thought before we ever considered it, before we ever began to look for him, search for him, he's done everything necessary for you and I to know him through faith, to have a relationship with him through faith. Not just a relationship that happens on Sundays, but a relationship that happens day in, day out, good times, bad times, 
happy times, sorrowful times. He longs for that kind of a relationship with you and with me. And you and I have to choose faith. I want to close with this psalm, Psalm 121. I will lift up my eyes to the mountains from whence shall come uh, to the mountains from whence shall come my uh, shall my help come my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth he will not allow your foot to slip he who keeps you will not slumber behold he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep the Lord is my keeper the Lord is my shade on is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not smite you by day nor the moon by night. But the Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. The Lord will guard your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever. I always feel like when I come here I'm preaching to the choir. But I just know that every time I preach, every time I share God's word, that God is doing what God has promised to do and that his word won't return void. I fully expect that there's someone in this sanctuary today or someone who's joined in the service by other means who may have never made the decision to choose faith, to choose Jesus by faith and to walk with him, begin that life walking with him. And so today, I I urge you, if you've not made that decision, don't put off making that decision. It's a choice. And you're the only one that can make it. But you know, the Bible says that when Jesus is lifted up, that he draws all men unto himself. And I just believe that every time his word is preached, that God is using His Word and by His Spirit is drawing people. If you feel God tugging at your heart today and drawing you to Himself, don't don't say no. I just urge you, by faith today, trust Him. Invite Him to come into your life to be your Savior and your Lord and begin a lifetime journey walking with Him, not just for today, Not just for the future, for eternity. But Jesus said, I came that you might have life and that you might have life more abundant. That's what he wants for you. And he's talking about that's what he wants for you right now, right here, today. Will you do that? Father, I just thank you and love you for everything you've done for us. I pray that you've used your word to speak to needs in our lives, our hearts. And Father, if there's one that needs to come and profess you today, receive you as their Savior, I pray you'd give them the courage and the fortitude to step out and do that as we have an invitation this morning and and invite people to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand?
understand.